welcome to the Midwest Frontier Podcast, formerly known as Whistle Mission Outdoors. I am Jim. And I'm Pat. And this is a podcast dedicated to anything in the outdoors in the Midwest. We like to cover hunting, fishing, conservation, a little bit of opinion, and a little bit of lifestyle. We like to talk about the touchy and hot topics. Anything controversial that involves the outdoors. Each week we try to have a segment with Bushlight Billy where he goes over a recipe or a tip or a trick for cooking. There's so much to talk about, so come and join us on the Frontier. Or I was, remember I made those stickers for the boat? Yeah. Finally went to go put them on yesterday, and I didn't realize that the, the transfer tape that I got, which Kaylin bought, she doesn't know what she's buying though, but she bought the super sticky stuff. It's hard to get them off the back. Did you, did I give you a sticker? With, no, but with my, with my Midwest Frontier sticker for the back of the boat. That one, so that one wasn't made with that tape. Oh, that was hard to get off the backing. Yeah, yeah. Like it took me. It probably took me about twenty minutes per sticker. I wonder if there's like some chemical thing where it just gets way stickier. Because when I did mine, it went right off. Oh, maybe you know if you mean? put it in the sun or something. Yeah, maybe get it all liquid. Storm or something. I don't know. I gotta find a. I gotta go find the best transfer tape because this stuff stuck and it left a residue and it was just like. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like swearing. I was so I went out again with no letters on my boat. Enough to piss off the Pope. Yeah, but at least you got the paperwork on you. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So I kicked this thing off, so I don't know where you guys want to start. We can start wherever you I'll, want. I'll start. So yesterday, um, I was like, hey, you know, I, I wanted to get Caitlin on the boat for once. So I'm like, hey, let's go out. We'll take the boat out, do a quick Shavanaugh thing. So we're like, screw it. We'll bring the dog. She'll be all right. You know, get there, put the boat in the water. Dog, first of all, we got to, our dog is like the perfect size where her chest is like a Great Dane size. And then the rest of her is like puppy size. Yeah. So like her neck is like super thin, you know. But she, she still needs, like, a large collar. She's just, like, in this weird spot where, like, you can't go by, oh, she's a medium. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's either a large or, like, a like a medium large or whatever. And uh, so this this life jacket that we got her is, like, tight on her chest and, like, super loose around her neck. It makes zero sense. So she hates this thing. Yeah. Hates I can imagine. Thing. And uh, so we're getting her in the boat with just her regular harness on. And she does not want to go in the boat. No way. We're both in the boat. I'm this is her, her first time in the boat. Yeah. Well, she was in your boat. She was in my boat. Yeah. Remember when she was just a pup? We took her fishing. No. In your in your um, that little blue one. Yeah. Really, we took her fishing in that on the Splains. Yeah. I don't remember that. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I know what me and Nick took his. I remember that. I was like, oh, she's in a boat. She's been in a boat. She doesn't care. So this time she's like, hell no, I'm not getting in that boat. And so we had her harness on. The leash is hooked to the harness. And she does this like arms up thing like that. Yeah. Slips right out of the harness. Now the dog's free. So I just got the boat in the water. It's already been a Is the truck still on the ramp or no? No, a truck wasn't. Oh, okay. That would Um, add to it. You know, you got the truck on the ramp. The boat's not tied up and the dog's running away. So this this dog goes nuts. She just goes nuts. Like, I'm free. You know, and she starts running around. She's running all over the dock. And then she just runs. And just does a bonsai way off the dock. Just, you know, she <laughs> loves it, man. She loves the water. At first, we couldn't get her to touch the water, you know. Yeah. Now she can't stay out of it. Yeah, loose boat, loose dog. Yeah. So now we've got a wet dog. Which, so grabbing her is like now Now it's like grabbing a bar of soap. Yep. And Yeah, I love when they shake off. You know, usually you got glasses on when they're doing that. Yeah, so <laughs> now, now we finally get out there. You have to idle everywhere you go because of the lake that it is. And she's just shaking, shaking, shaking. And then she's just loud. You know, you could tell she's cold and probably thirsty. It's like, well, you're the one that decided to jump into the water. Wet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What's her bark sound like? 
<laughs> Pat was doing it out for us this morning. It was funny. She was. She does this like it's like really loud, like you know, like a regular dog. And then she does like this, and you're like, what the? All the boats are looking at you, yeah. like shut that dog up. And then she's barking so loud where you hear it, and it's like. You know, yeah, like, the echo and it's just everything. like, how far back? You know, like, like everybody on this lake is like, somebody brought their dog, their barking dog. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, but she was just a Miss Pris. And then, like, all of a sudden, she wanted to be by me. And, you know, and so I'd have to sit there and pet her. Just didn't get to fish. Like, I fished, but it was just such a pain that it was just wasn't even worth it. I but can't take fun. mine. The shepherd, she tries, uh, she broke one fly rod on me, jumped up, bit it, broke it in half. Yeah. And it's like, so I, I just don't, I can't take them fishing. Yeah. It's just not a thing. Well, I don't think the actual like casting bothered her. It might have. That might have added to it, but it didn't seem like it did. No, like, you know how like when you pick up a gun around here and Elsa starts barking like that? Oh, yeah. The whole time you're holding a fly rod, I mean, a fishing rod in general. She's barking at you like that, so you're just dealing with a barking dog the entire time. So Even a, a stick, like if you pick up a stick, like she just goes ape, ape crazy. I'll tell you one thing, that dog does not like the camcorder. She thinks the microphone on it's a bazooka or something. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was recording her, and she's looking at it like we're gonna give that a good look today. I want to see that thing. I want to see what that thing can do and all that. You know? Oh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. There's a million adjustments on it, so yeah, a, a million. Yeah, Pat brought his new toy, the new camcorder, you know. I just got this battery, and I was like, oh, you know, because, like, lithium-ion batteries have come a long way since this camera came out. I mean, it's an older camera. It's a 20 – that one's a 2016. I looked it up. I looked up, like, the serial number and stuff. Oh, okay. But this camera's, like, a 12-year-old model. Like, it's been out that long. They have had them out. I was looking at that. They've had them out for that XA10. Yeah. They've had them out for a long time. Long, long time. But, see, the thing is, camcorder technology hasn't really gone anywhere since, like, the mid – Thoughts, no, you know what I mean? like for, pretty much they came up with like the focuses and all that. All they really do is make resolution better. Yeah. But, like that's other than that, like my camera, my DSLR, I think that was like a 2014 maybe, I think is the model year that came out that I oh, got okay. it. But it's like, you look at the new ones and it's like, there's a, there's a few more little features, but nothing that's really going to change. The one thing that would be nice with the Nikons is autofocus. It was better and quieter, you know, and faster. You look at a Canon, it's like instant. You know, this thing is, uh, it, you should see the autofocus on this. You can't hear it and it is instant. You guys going to use it for so. making Midwest Frontier videos? Oh, yeah. That's the that's the goal right now. And I'm surprised we didn't record what we did today. We should have bought a nice microphone for it. Turns yeah. out it doesn't like that type of microphone. So I bought an adapter to see if that would work. That nah, didn't work. Yeah. So like the, the audio input is also a little bit of an output to power up an amplifier. You know, every microphone is a bit of an amplifier. Yeah. So this thing strictly takes an input. Doesn't give a power output, so, so it doesn't power the microphone to then receive a signal again. It just doesn't. Oh. So it'll it'll take a signal. So you got to have a remotely powered microphone. Yeah. And then I wonder. I was thinking about it just now. I wonder if you did have a USB. If you plugged that thing into the USB of that, uh, would that be enough to power that microphone? I tried that, and actually, because of the way that microphone is now, it thinks that the input is via the USB. So when you do that. Then the microphone jack, the 3.5, then becomes a monitor. Uh, I don't follow. So, so what do you mean a monitor? So when you plug it in with a USB, yeah. it automatically thinks, okay, like the input-output is via USB. So then when you plug in a headphone, you know, what it thinks is a headphone, really it's your output cable, oh. that it uses that as the monitor. Okay. So you can monitor. That's the cool part about that microphone is it acts as like its own audio interface. Yeah, but I mean, like, so what, is there a USB port that that thing can plug to on your camera that would take audio? I don't think that it would, re like, I don't think it would care to take the signal from there. So it's not smart enough to take the signal from the USB oh, port. Okay. You know what I mean? Anyway, what else you got, Pat? 
Um, but yeah, that didn't launch yesterday. I'm in bare feet. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> today we're kind of talking I, before we get too deep. That today we're kind of talking rivers, wading, dams, things like things of that sort. We got yeah. a couple of things we want to. And I'm going to get out. an education because I realized that I've fished a lot of rivers. But man, I'm one of the few people on this planet that's willing to admit that they've been doing something wrong their whole life. What do you mean? I suck at fishing rivers. Suck at hey, fishing why? rivers. Why? Yeah, as regard to, yeah, you kind of got me confused. What do you mean? It's just a different type of fishing, where the fish are at, what to use, how heavy to go. I, I can do like the little streams that I know, right? Because like they're little pools and stuff like that. But anything with the current, way off. I don't, I don't. Yeah. And it, it kind of, you got to look at the river, like all because there's water there doesn't necessarily mean there's fish there. But like, yeah. for instance, we were up against a dam today. So I look at a dam as a fresh air source, aerated water that they're going to fill their gills on, you know, that's why the dam's important, you know, but then you got to look at a temperature versus water temperature. So now you got current versus pools early spring. They're going to be in a shallow pool with no current because they're sunbathing and warming up. But then it gets hot, and they run into that uh, shallow, deep stuff. Ankle-deep water, you'll catch. You did it in Hickory Creek. You were catching a lot of bass the one day on a spinnerbait. Yep. And, but, I mean, none of them are more than ankle-deep. No. He's pulling out one- and two-pound bass in that little creek. But even, like, my normal tactic of, like, if nothing else works, throw a jig and a twister tail on, couldn't do that today. No way. Well, well especially there. There's 35 s- of them. Yeah, you snag up real easy. That river right there is real mossy, too, so you pull up a lot of seaweed. Yeah, it's like the rocks are just covered in a thick coating of uh like the real stringy weeds they're they're really they're like tough it's yeah, not they're like, pretty resilient yeah they're not like leafy you know no. what i mean they're more mossy than you got to kind of too when you're fishing current you kind of got to steer your lure too you know you see it coming up to some exactly stuff you gotta I, I don't really know how to say it. you gotta steer it you know no i mean I, I get all that stuff but it's just like actual river fishing tactics i'm just so bad i i could tell you about waiting i can tell you about all the stuff i do for that but the actual technique of fishing oh, need a re-education See, the, the reason why I fish rivers around here is I think that's the most probable way of getting good fish around this area. Oh, and any lake you go fish around here, if you do catch something, you're going to catch something that just got stocked. Size that's of the thing is the lakes around us, they're the only thing that keeps them going is stocking. And Because everybody, they go to these things and they throw whatever they get in a bucket. And it's just like these places are just robbed. But even all that aside, let's say everybody's doing everything legally. There's yeah. no like, there's not a huge reproduction in these lakes around here. No, like, no there's not. They're, they really rely on DNR stocking and funding and stuff like that. You know, maybe the state likes it that way. I don't know. I don't know, but that's why. But rivers aren't like that. Yeah. You know, but that's why we're gonna get into some dam stuff because I want to talk about. Uh, I was actually thinking about it with the white bass run and all that. We'll get into that in a bit. So you're saying we got them damn facts? We got yeah, we got all these damn FAQs. You know, I see what you did there. The one thing you want to tell anybody about your new skill you tried today. Oh, what I tried fly fishing today. Yeah, got yeah, a lot good with that. You look good doing it. Uh, yeah, but J- Jim can do this. You know, Jim uses you know point three calories per cast, and I'm sitting here like, wah, 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 you know, <laughs> and like it's not going anywhere. And Jim just does this little flickeroo, and it just flies out there sixty yards. Yeah, you've been doing it longer than you though. Yeah, yeah no, I I get like the experience end of it, but it's just like, sixty yards would be sweet. <laughs> I shoot when I'm fly fishing. I shoot for sixty feet. Hundred if if I if it can hit a hundred with my five weight or something like that. But the other thing too, wait till you set the hook on something big. Fly line stretches like hell. You'll I set can the tell hook that, yeah. and it's just boing. So you, I mean, the more the further out you are, the more stretch you're gonna have, right? So you, you really don't want to go more than sixty feet. 
You know? I, I will say there is a very special connection that comes from fly fishing with your with your hand actually being the thing that you feel with, like like your hand on the line, not via the reel. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like that's a that's a cool aspect of fly fishing that I never really put much thought into, but man, it makes a lot of sense. You're gonna keep trying it. I'm gonna set you oh, up yeah. with a, I'm gonna give you a setup so you can play with it in the yard. Yep. You can go out on your own. You can throw it in the boat and just have it. It's, it comes in a nice rod tube. So you can keep it in the boat, and when if you go out fishing and you're just like, oh, I want to try something different here, you can cast the fly line a little bit. But, know? I mean, that that is the thing when you're fishing around here, especially this time of year. It's like that is the thing that's going to change everything. That's why, you know, my normal – I like to do that kind of that setup. Like like a jig and twister tail and a fly are kind of relatable. One oh, just, big time. One just sinks a lot. And the other one, you can you can set up however you know whatever way you want. Well, like today, I gave you one that kind of drooped a little faster, so when you popped it, it kind of had more of a drop to it. Yeah, you know. Um, but like mine, if you saw how much feathers were on mine, I did that. That's for buoyancy. That's I mean, that, obviously image too, but it's also for buoyancy. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not boom right on the bottom. It can kind of drift down. So yeah. when I first you know? got out there, I was really trying to throw on a lot of plastic to try and get it to be more buoyant, and it just just drags. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the crankbaits work, and sometimes the fly rod works, and it all yeah. depends. You know, today today we didn't do so hot, so we got a I couple got, of fish. You yeah, know, I got that real small bass. Better than getting skunked. I mean, I didn't get anything, but the other thing too, like uh, I tell you what, let's move on to some weeks, but we'll go back to that point. I think something changed on that river, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There also is one other. We'll, we'll talk about this later, but there is one other aspect that I think is playing into this bigly, bigly, um, bigly. Anyway, for your week, Bill, anything? Standard uh, week? Yeah, pretty standard week. <laughs> <laughs> Not much excitement on the... Uh, on the Bushlight Billy on front? the Bushlight Billy front. Uh, although I will be smoking a pork shoulder tomorrow, so... That's not, I'm thinking about it. I'm on the fence about a pork shoulder or just trying chicken for a cow. I haven't decided. So. Yeah, I pulled it out of the freezer. It's in the fridge defrosting. I'm doing ready a, to go. doing a pork shoulder for Monica, our sister, and uh, I'm going to do one for myself and then freeze it. Yeah. So. Well, Jim's on daddy duty all day tomorrow, so yeah. he's like, hey, why don't you just, I was going to smoke it today, and he's like, well, why don't you just wait till Monday, and we'll just hang out. Yeah, I'll bring the, I could bring the baby over, and we could just hang out. Drink you know? beer. Yeah. yeah, nothing special. I don't have a whole lot of plans for tomorrow. I really appreciate, I, I really look forward to my time with just him, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't really make a whole lot of plans that we got to tote him around, and you know, it's like, no, we're just going to spend a day, you know? Uh, yesterday, I went to Lake Michigan. That turned out to be a bit of a disaster. Oh, yeah. Keep forgetting about this. Yeah, keep going. So we went looking for lake trout. We dropped in Waukegan Harbor, and we used uh, our buddy's boat. He wanted to bring his. He's got that that same one from the White Bass Run that broke down. Well, we start heading out. Did I tell you any of this yet or no? Yeah, you told me a little bit of it. Okay. So we take off of Waukegan, and he hammers down, and the boat is just launched in the air, and the motor's down all the way, and he's like, I don't know. He said, something doesn't sound right. We're looking at the... We finally got it up to like 20 miles an hour. This boat does 45 all day, you know? So you're saying it just didn't get enough ass to get it on plane. So we're cruising out there. We never got it above 20 miles an hour. He thinks he lost a fuel pump. There's supposedly two, almost like a lift pump that goes to like an injection pump, like on a diesel. But yeah. it's like, a, it's one that gets out of the tank and then ones that sends it to the carburetors. He thinks he lost one of those, you know? Whereas our, ours do it all with like a primer. Yeah. I mean, ours is all fuel yeah. injected and... Uh, but anyway, so we're like, we're like the boat's up. We got one to three foot waves and we're kaboom, kaboom, kaboom all the way out there, you know? Finally, like the way I had planned it is we would tool around a little bit until we found a reef or a bunch of fish. And then we start jigging from there. And we just kind of decided to stop because the motor was running funny, you know? Yeah. So 
we stopped, we started jigging. And then within a half hour, his wife got seasick. Like real bad. Like she's like taking the what are they called? Dramamine, is that what it's called? Yeah, I something don't know. like that. She's taking that, got sick right away. And then uh because it was I mean, the waves weren't they weren't rolling. I mean, I should they, they weren't cap my white cap and they were rolling, but they we were bobbing all day. One to three foot all day. Just yeah. up and down, up and down, up and down. So you think you could have done that in your boat? Yeah, definitely. Okay. There was actually I saw a guy with our boat out there, but the steering wheel, like my first boat. He yeah. had a sixty horse Merc, went right out there. No you kidding. Know. Oh yeah, I think it'd be just fine. You'd be rolling. You're not. You're not going to do a whole lot of sturdy standing. You know? I saw a, a video of a dude doing it with huge, like our boat, but with the double cab. So it's even way down further, mm-hmm. and he was uh, doing huge swells on the Chesapeake Bay. So, but anyway, so we're, she's like, "All right, I'm just going to go hang out on the dock." And we're like, "Damn it, we just took." It was like a ten minute ride out there, or at least you know, going over all these big waves. So we're like, "All right, you know." And then fire up the motor, and we start heading back, and the thing's bogging, and it won't get up on plane. And we get about, I don't know, two minutes into the ride, and poof, motor shut off. Would not start. No kidding. So I don't know what happened, but we could not get that motor started. So we are a decent way out there now, and we had to use the troller to get back. We just jigged and trolled and anything we could to get back. But I was happy his trolling motor did get us all the way back to the dock. Yeah, and no we had kidding. Hand loaded back onto the dock, onto the trailer. That's a nice, spacious boat. I will give him it that. Is, That's yeah. a nice, spacious boat. I do like that boat a lot. That Johnson, he's getting a little distraught with it because it's like you fix this, then something breaks. You fix that, something breaks. And it's like you just want it to be reliable. At some point when it keeps messing up, you're like, is this thing going to run? Like I really need this thing to run. Is it going to run? Right. You know? Start second-guessing it. You know, like finally I put this new part on. It should be It should be fine. You know? It just sucks to have like your, hinge, your vacation hinging on the fact that, you know, you've got a you know, somewhat older slash unreliable questionable motor questionable yeah and like he said before this year he's never had any problems yeah, like oh, just, yeah. you know he's, he's done regular maintenance to it but nothing nothing like this everything's been on fire this year and now it won't start you know yeah. and yeah it, it's funny when that motor when that motor turns off it is a boom and a slow down right right there and yeah like, like somebody pulled the cord on a jet ski you know you ever seen the videos of dudes losing their motors uh what do you mean losing them like uh I was watching one. I th- it was an orange boat, and these guys were all dressed up, so I think it was like a rescue boat. But they're driving out there, and the guy's got an outboard on the back, and it just goes, no, and it falls off the back. What? Breaks the fuel line. No, oh, I've no. not seen that. There's a whole bunch of these on YouTube. It's great. It's great. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. it sucks for them. You know, but like when the motor goes down, it makes that room because it's got no load. Yeah. So it just tips itself over, you know. <laughs> so when you're turning them, they actually want to torque and twist off the back. It's actually pretty sweet to see. <laughs> you tighten those C clamps, right? Yeah, dude, totally. Anyway, oh, so we went. Uh, we went out. We, we so we tooled around back on that trolling motor and in, in front of that shoreline. I was surprised how many people were shore fishing that spot. But remember, that's where we were talking about going to get pike. Yeah. And uh, but so yeah, we got that back. And then the one thing I wanted to bring up, I've been seeing a lot of reviews of me and Bill were talking about this just now on the ride home. We were just up waiting in the fox, everybody, and uh, we're doing this right after that. But the one thing. You want to see some disappointing reviews? Watch the reviews on the new Tacoma. I'm a big Tacoma nut. I love my Tacomas. Like, yeah. like all the different. 2024. Oh. They re. So I drive a second gen, which came out in 05. They went from 05 to 15, you know? And then in 16, they came out with Gen 3s. Now they're on a Gen 4s. And uh, they all went the EcoBoost route. It's all. So you don't. There's no more. There's no more 4 liters, 3.7 liters, nothing like that. It's a 2.4. 
Turbo. Turbo. I'm not totally against that, but they they just straight up don't have as much torque as the bigger ones. I don't. I don't. You're overloading a four cylinder engine. Yeah, that's why I got rid of my my old truck because it was a four cylinder and it just didn't have enough oomph to really get going. Yeah, but but a a non EcoBoost, right? Like yeah, it wasn't turboed or anything. But you take an underpowered engine and you boost it with air. All right. And it's like, this is, you're not playing the long game with this thing, but I think they just know your average idiot is out there. They're going to drive a car for five years and trade it in and get another payment. They can keep you on the hook. and say, my, my truck's got a turbo. But I don't think, yeah. I don't think they build these things for the guy that wants a truck for 10 or 15 years. I don't, I, I just don't see how you can have an eco boost something last that long. Without, at least without putting a turbo on it for ten grand. Well, you know? I mean, hey, it was a nice little run. They had their little niche market all tied up, and you know, it's gonna. That's most you know? cars, though. They're just all throwaway. Mm. You know, nothing's meant to last anymore. Everything's plastic. It's. Oh yeah, it's that's why sometimes when I'm driving my truck, I'm just like. But Toyota was kind of holding the line on that with their Forerunners and the Tacomas. You would look at Ford; everything went unibody. Everything went front wheel drive. Yeah, you know. Uh, it's like the assistant four-wheel drive oh you don't even have to hit the button it'll turn on and so no i want a part-time system i want a full-frame truck and i don't want it to be an f-150 i want it to be smaller than that can you guys make that toyota's like we can and now they're we're just going against it man yeah. my f-150 really doesn't feel that big it, it is it does but it, it really doesn't feel that big i just think about some of the parking spots and these little strip malls you got to turn into and you got to lug okay, this big thing almost, around yeah well, that know. was my only daily driver that that was kind of a yeah thing, yeah but um, but with, with these new, these new Tacomas, I was like, oh, and the, the other thing too is like, I like the Tacoma cause it's a midsize. It's not something mini. It's not something big, but like you look at the second gen, like what I drive, they're a decent size. They bills is bigger and they went even bigger than that. These things aren't that much smaller than your truck now. Yeah. And it's like, it's supposed to be a little truck guys. If you want a big truck, you go buy the big truck. You know, that's what, that's what like these big corporate companies don't understand. It's like, you had something that works great. Keep it. Yeah, you know why yeah. you guys sold a million of them? Because it was awesome. Yeah. We didn't ask you to change it all around because it, it, we bought it and regretted it or something. No, we bought what we liked. I'm on my second one. You're on your second one. Yeah, that's my second one. And it's like, so it shows people buy these things. But it, it, it just really disappointed me that they were going that route. My you know? only gripe with Toyota is they never, ever, ever offer any incentives because they don't have to people pay whatever they want whatever they want for them they're paying they're going to get for it that's exactly yeah (laughs) when i walked in and i'm like oh yeah i like that truck you can you can buy it if you want if not you can leave (laughs) (laughs) there's no wheeling and dealing there's just uh yeah here's the price and uh yeah if you don't buy it soon in fact we're going to make it higher but don't you kind of trust don't you kind of trust a car company more when it's like that, you look at Chevy and it's like, oh, 10,000 back at closing. And it's like, oh yeah. my God, you guys are going to give me 10 grand to buy your truck, you yeah. know? And every dealer plays those silly games. Cause like there's dealerships that play those silly games, not like the company. This is on the TV commercial for Chevy yeah. and not so much anymore. The pandemic changed all that. But before it'd be like, oh, you want uh, only, we can get it down to 250 bucks a month. You'll get 10,000 back and they keep throwing deals at you. Oh, they all do that. And you're not like the Toyota doesn't. Toyota says, here's the price. I don't yeah. know if you can afford it, but you this pay is the price. Or you no pay. You pay or you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, talking to the guys there, it's like they're almost disinterested. They're not even salesmen. They're just like, yep, here's here's the price for it. Yeah. yeah um, like they're like checking out a target. Yeah. You know? The only thing too is when you're looking at something like a, t- a Tacoma, they know there's there's not really any other they got the Colorado, but that's a toy compared to a Tacoma. Yeah. You got the Ranger, that's even worse than the Colorado. But you know. If they made a Ranger like our old Ranger. That was just a little beefier, bigger engine, 
little bit bigger body, a little bit bigger frame, a little bit bigger bed. That'd be the perfect truck. Well, like the new ones are just Ford Escapes with uh, a, be- a little mini bed oh, on Oh, yeah. The no, they look like garbage. Did you see the Maverick? Uh, yeah, but you know what the nice thing about the Maverick is? Is one, you can tow with it. There's actually, you could tow our boats with a Maverick. And then, really? so, I'm not kidding you. I looked up the specs because I heard they were really affordable. You could buy a brand new Maverick for like $21,000. Brand new from the dealer. You can go to the dealer and buy one. Yeah, no the, kidding. The first hill you go up, this thing's like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's screaming. It drops two gears. Those are the electric ones, it, right? No, they're like mini Rangers. They're smaller than the Rangers. We, we started get, getting some rentals at work for them, and they're like little mini Rangers. They're not oh, They're not electric? I thought the they were like hybrids. No, no. These are like, uh, I don't know if there's a 2.0 EcoBoost, the Ford 2.0 EcoBoost. Yeah. Them, but... At first, I'm like, that's an ugly little thing. And then you sit in it, and it actually sits. It's roomy for a full-size dude sitting in that thing. What's you know? the electric truck? Oh, that's the Rivian. Lightning. The Lightning? Yeah. Rivian's a totally different company. That's not a Ford. Oh, you, are you talking about the Ford electric truck? Any of them. I know there was an electric truck. Well, there's an electric. Like he said, Rivian. That, but that's, that's, a totally, that's the one I was thinking that's of. That's a different brand. That's their own yeah. brand. Yeah, if you got a cool hundred grand, you can get half of one. There, I, I saw those out in California. It was really weird when you went to the, when we were in San Francisco and uh, go to the rental car place. Everything's Tesla. Yeah. Like, hey, I need, I want like a gas vehicle. Oh well, uh, I think we might have one over, you know, on the other side yeah, of the it's garage. An old, it's an Astro van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the maintenance van. Yeah, I guess you could take this one. No, we got some of those Rivians at work, but like for instance, you need uh, special things to change a tire. You yeah. need these special brackets to lift it up and like, to, you know, to change a tire. It, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like we had this training session, air quotes here. We had this training session. Oh my God, what a joke that was. The guy's like, yeah, this is how you uh, charge it. And this is how you drive it. And then we're like, okay, and, you know, and, yeah. and they don't give away any information. It's any like, information. When it's 15 below zero and you guys call me to get this out of the middle of an intersection, how do I do that? Let's start with that. Yeah. You yeah. know? Anyway, I just wanted to say the Tacoma, because I pay attention to Tacomas because I love them. And, uh, man, they just, they went they went the other way with it, you know? Did you see what Ford did this week? Uh, with the Predator thing that everyone was nicknaming, the red, white, or the rainbow... Uh, the predator <laughs> I, they, didn't, I didn't know about that so somebody said that they called it so they they did the, the whole the i know but the raptor that they did rainbow yeah they said they're calling that the predator <laughs> get it <laughs> okay that's you know good. what i'm talking about no yeah. i'm, I'm ford, very lost the ford in europe made a woke commercial for uh the the raptor oh they, that was europe i heard it was europe oh yeah because i didn't actually see that commercial anymore. or it was a european country that did that or something so they took, you know, the Ford Raptor, yeah. you know, and they did all the rainbow stuff on it. Yeah. And I heard Dylan Mulvaney is going to sponsor it. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, yeah. So they're like, oh, here goes Ford now. First, we took down Target and, yeah. you know, Bud Light and all that. But like now Ford wants in on getting taken down. Their stock already plummeted. And everyone, all these, all these companies that are doing these electric vehicles, look at their stocks. They're worthless. Mm-hmm. They're worthless compared to 10 years ago. You know, you could buy, you could buy a share of Ford. Last time I looked, I think it was like nine or $11 for a share of Ford. No kidding. Yeah. And I think at one point it was like sixty, you know. Mm-hmm. And but they're they're all losing, they're trying to make these electric vehicles. They're just losing. They're losing big time. They're Dude. like, we just can't do. We just can't mass produce these things, guys. It was sixty bucks in nineteen ninety eight. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When sixty dollars took you a lot farther. Sixty dollars now doesn't even fill my tank. You know. It was seventy for me yesterday. But they, they probably <laughs> split it a few times since then. But. Um, yeah, it was sixty dollars in nineteen ninety eight. I because I looked at it, you know, I looked wow. at the stock. Yeah, it's just crazy. Anyway, we're getting way off topic. I do have a couple of little news articles. Uh, if you want me to start with them, or if you want me to finish with them, go for it. The one uh, this is just about bobcats. 
So I didn't know bobcats were almost completely extinct out of Illinois, but they just did this whole thing. Uh, we, bo- we learned that when we were talking about the one that almost got smoked on 88, or did it get hit on That was a cougar. That was oh. a, yeah. No, this is like the little bobcats. Okay. No, my, my. So they have been spotted in 99 counties. Do you know how many counties are in Illinois? I didn't know this before. There's like 140 or something. Do you know how many? I have no idea. 102 counties. So there's only three counties in this state that has not seen a bobcat. They estimate the the population to be 5,000, and hunting and trapping has been in at 16, and in 2022, they got they killed 360 bobcats between trapping and actually hunting. I've never seen one. I saw one, and I saw it in northern Wisconsin. Yeah. It ran out on a log, and I tried. I pointed at my dad. I'm like, Dad, look. And by the time he looked, because my dad's got to spin in three circles before he knows which way you're pointing. Yeah. <laughs> by the time he landed on the spot, it was gone, you know? Yeah, I know they're elusive. Like, they're cats. They don't want to be seen. You ain't going to find them. Um, the next thing I have is just kind of a weather thing. This is uh, drought.gov. Didn't know that they had their own website for droughts, but hmm. the government has its own website. Uh, it says drought early warning for the Midwest. So most of the Midwest right now is uh, drier than normal, obviously. The I, driest, I was going to mention that. The driest spots are in Missouri and western Iowa. That's the driest which I'm just surprised. It seems like every time it rains here, it's got to go through one of those two spots mm-hmm. first. So I just yeah. assume they, they get at least as much rain. Um, but 27% of the Midwest is considered abnormally dry. Uh, and above normal temps are predicted. So at the time you hear this podcast, it's going to be like 90 degrees everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's going to be like super hot. Um, it feels like July. I mean, like the like the water level, like this feels like July dryness. Yeah. Yeah, they said it's it's been drier than normal for the last four to six weeks across the Midwest on average. Four to six weeks. It's when was the last time you saw brown grass in May? I know. It's Even like so, ridiculous. I mowed I mowed a few days ago, and usually by now I could start seeing the peaks coming up. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even. It looks like a, it looks like a fresh cut. I didn't even mow my lawn this week. Yeah, I got I got to mow today, but I just got a little bit of the. It's just getting a little bit of those. Um, and just kind of knocking the high spots down just evening it all yeah, out when you got a german shepherd crapping in your yard and like that stuff eventually goes in the ground so you got like a really healthy spot about oh, that yeah. big around that's this tall yeah. you know exactly <laughs> man that's exactly what happens in my yard i'm like i never remember it being this spotty it's like well we didn't have a dog peeing back there yeah, yeah. um but that's it for the news articles. I wanted to, with the drought, we were going to move into some dams and some frequently asked questions. Because like, if you listen more and more, they talk about taking out these dams. Because everyone's like, why do we have these dams? Like, We don't generate power off them. And it's like a 100-year-old idea why they're here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I was kind of tying that into drought. So the dam we were at today, me and Pat Roth are like, man, I remember being deep right here. I couldn't find deeper than knee deep. Like That was most of it. But then you would find a waist-deep pool. And that's where you'd find the fish, mm-hmm. you know? So we also spent a lot of time out there when we were younger, and everything looks bigger when you're younger, right? So you're thinking, this is a massive place, and then you get out there, and you're like, this is small, you know? Yeah. It's- so there could be a little bit of that in there, but I do remember it being a lot deeper. Like, up by the bridge pilings, I remember it being a lot deeper. Yeah, I remember being, like, waist deep, you know? And I've yeah. been pretty much the same height since eighth grade, so I know I was out there at this height. But it know? wasn't even knee-deep up into the bridges. You know I, know. I mean, it was just so. The one thing I'm wondering when we're coming up with dams, I wonder if they took a dam out of the Fox because that would lower, lower lower water levels all the way across. Yeah, like downstream, kind of like a downstream Aurora. dam. I don't know. I know they did in DuPage, that one that we were at. That's the DuPage River. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about like where we were at because it was so shallow. If they knocked a dam out further south, I th- I thought I heard they got rid of one, but I'm not sure on that. But would that drop the water level? I mean, it was at least six inches lower than normal, but. Was it a drought or did we lose a dam? I don't know. But we had a hard time finding like real fishable water there. Right under the dam was and then a couple of little spots. 
Yeah. There's some know. deep pockets that I wish I didn't walk through first. Oh, yeah, never. Like, that's what we were talking about, waiting and all that. We're going to get into waiting. The one thing I was going to go through some of these frequently. So uh, let me back up to how I got to this. Is I was just looking at what are people using for the dam. I was looking for, like, you know, ideas before we got out there today. And I was just clicking around, and I found this frequently asked dam removal questions. So if you were to remove a dam, these are questions, concerns people have. But let's say, will the river dry up after the dam is gone? No. You know? Yeah, the, the same amount of water flow is still there. It's yeah. just that you're accumulating it here and you're dissipating it there. Yeah, you might lose a boating spot. That's possible. Yeah. You know, you put a dam that's six feet tall, eight feet tall, and it, above it to raise the water up that high. Yeah, but the, the flow doesn't change. E- even after you dam up a lake, the flow doesn't change. So it says, "Will this is like specifically for the fox, but I don't see what would be so special about the fox that this wouldn't be, this wouldn't apply anywhere else. But it says, will the removal of a dam increase flooding? Would it increase it? I would think it would decrease I, it. I would think decrease, yeah. It says, no, the dams along the Fox are not designed for flood protection. Dam removals will, in fact, reduce your upstream flooding in some locations. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Like, well, you're not going to hold back floodwaters. Right. They are going to be running like hell through there, though. Yeah, it's going to be You a see how fast quicker. that river is when it's dammed, you know? Because, like, the Fox, that's a straight artery right out of Green Bay. Yeah. That water came from Green Bay, you know? I forget how many miles they said that river is. 200, 300 miles. Are you ever trying to follow it on a map? Up and down and up and down. <laughs> and you're like, well, man. It's like we a roller the, coaster. We got that Fox Chain of Lakes, too. It's got to go through. That's all tied in, you know. Will the area behind the, uh, behind the removed dam become a permanent eyesore? I don't know why you'd worry about that. You know, it says, no, the sediments that have filled in behind the dams over decades will drain, and Mother Nature will quickly revegetate and restore the reclaimed land. So that was part of the reason, like, uh, for instance, the, the displays we fished. They removed a bunch of dams out of that. Oh, yeah. Well, remember when we were a kid, that was kind of like a swampland. I mean, it was like, yeah. oh, don't eat anything out of there. That's some dirty water. But like now you could actually see down in the water in spots. Yep. Mm-hmm. But so you take those dams out, and now you want all that dirt that's not moving now gets washed downstream, you know? So you're like, if you ask me, you'll clear the waters up uh, when you start removing dams. Yeah, and it takes way more time or way less time than you think. Uh, I'm not even going to read that question. So will the removal of dams cause all the sediment to wash downstream, causing more problems? It says generally not slowly dewatering the dam pool by notching the dam before a major material removal removal starts helps. Man, this is written terrible. Starts helps upstream sediment strain and avoid being washed downstream. Uh, will the release of nutrients store in the sediments behind the dams hurt the river? No, come on. Are dams needed to oxygenate? The river. That's a good question. That is a great question. And it definitely helps. It doesn't hurt, right? This says no. The river oxygenates itself where it runs freely downstream. Holding the river back behind dams prevents the natural oxygenation. Oxygenation. I had to say it because otherwise I'll never get it right. And it results in very low oxygen levels in the dam pools. So there is good fishing below dams. Are dams necessary for good fishing on the fox? What do you think there? No. I would actually think uh, no, because, you know, stuff that's more rapidy, like, I'm, I'm rapidy is a real bad word to say, but stuff that has more rapids, that naturally aerates. I agree. Like, when you run it through, like, look at the downstream of that dam we were at. There was yeah. a lot of water getting turned up there. Oh, you get sure. oxygen in the water. But that's there's a lot of kick up there, too. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff getting kicked up that, that would make the water cloudier, mm-hmm. right? And it says no. So, um, the next question is, should all dams be removed from the river? Should all dams be removed from the river? What do you think their answer is? Um, I, just lost I would that. say no. 
And the reason I would say no is because there has to be some control element somewhere for the Army Corps engineers. So, well, they don't control those. Those I don't open and close. No, those are just concrete walls. Oh. Those are, so it says yes and no. Every dam removed from the Fox and its tributaries will improve the river. Any dam that remains will somewhat lessen benefits to the river as a whole, but will not negate the positive effects where dams are removed. So pretty much the ones that are left won't hurt the ones that were taken out. Like They don't work together. You just wonder if they did this back in the day to make it a boating area. Is that possible? Uh, um, I know the one that they took out in the DuPage. Yeah, they did that because they wanted a swimming pool in the summertime. So they added a dam there. Yeah, I mean, like, because, you know, that lake or that river like where we were, clearly you couldn't swim in there. No. Upstream. Upstream's deep. You can run a boat. On the top side of that dam, you can run a boat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On the top side of the dam, but on the bottom side of the dam, which is what the river would kind of normally look like everywhere, that's probably why they do it. So me and Dad used to talk about that. Can you imagine if they took the dams out? The one thing I don't know is on the other side of the dam, the upstream side of the dam, is it a wall, you know, or is that riverbank that they just dammed? They put a little bump in the riverbank. Pretty much, is that natural drop of the river? So that six-foot section. Oh, you're saying, like, is there buildup involved there? Well, I'm wondering, was the river, like, a whitewater rapid situation? Or is that a wall? Like, so pretty much, is it that much slope? Like, you know how that yeah. that, that dam was six feet? Is, would the river actually be six feet deep right there, and they just put a wall in there? Or did they just put it right on the bank, a lip on top of the bank? I think if you were to draw a straight line from the bottom of the dam to about 50 yards past the dam... Um, and you connected that line, that's all the buildup that they did. Mm, okay. Because you would need to add so much material, you know what I mean, to get that height. That's what I'm wondering. Did they create height in the river? Absolutely. You know, like, uh, so if you took those dams out, obviously it's going to run like hell for a little bit, right? Yeah. But, like, uh, would it eventually find its level and just be a, a, just a regular current, like the Kankakee or any of those? Oh, absolutely. Or, but would it be, like, white water? Because... Every so many miles, we got a six foot drop that we're now connecting. You know, I I think that the overall drop will not change. I don't think so either. But I, was but just I, I don't think it'll be like crazy madness. Uh, now here's a good one. Um, oh man, I lost it because they, they would have had to build up every upstream part of that and keep building it up and keep building it up right. to get that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I I think it, the answer is a lot easier than than that. You know, here's the one answer. I think I, I disagree with the people answering these questions. It says, will removing dams and providing fish passage facilities open up the Fox River to invasions like exotic species like Asian carp, a.k.a. Kopi? Oh, that's a good one. So it says maybe. I think definitely. I think for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it says, but dams can't be relied upon to provide protection. No, I think they can. Yeah. When you put a six foot wall in the water. They ain't going, up that. They're not going to go up that. So I do believe dams will stop invasive species. So maybe leave the last one in there. I know? think this is this should be more nuanced than all dams or no dams. You know what I mean? Um, like yes. where, we, where we keep one for protection kind of thing. You know what I mean? That was the last like FAQ they had on this website. Um, but no, I think, I, I think you should one or the other. There were no dams before 100 years ago. What did that river look like 100 years ago? And people used it. Yeah, but there were no people bringing carp from, you know, the Southeast Asia. You know uh, I mean? Louis Joliet, he he was on that river up, up by Portage, Wisconsin. Yeah, he did you know? a lot of walking. 
Um, <laughs> did a lot of walking. <laughs> they, well, they, they portaged over uh, onto, let me think, the Wisconsin River to the Fox River, I believe, is how they did that. And then they came out on the Illinois. Um, Imagine being a crew member on that boat, and you turn around, and you're like, we got to go upstream the whole time. No, I got that wrong. It's the Fox River they portaged into Wisconsin River. That's how it went. Yeah. And in, went in Portage, Wisconsin, right? Or yeah. no. Uh, was it in Portage, Wisconsin? Yeah, that's how they got the name. Because the two rivers come real close together there, the Fox and the Wisconsin. And then like Prairie du Chien, that's where they spit out. Now, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of the Sanitarian Ship Canal. You know how that connected the Great Lakes to like the like Mississippi system? Yeah. Um, well, it also does it with like the Fox area, doesn't it? Or am I crossing my wires there? Yeah, I don't think. No, mm-hmm. it goes, it, it touches the uh, displays for a little bit and keeps going. Like in Joliet, that's actually the Sanitarian Ship Canal. Because I think Canal. Joliet, his goal was to make it to the Great Lakes, right? No, his goal was to go down the Mississippi, and he made it just about to where the Spaniards were. And then he ran from them because they knew they'd be gutted. Okay. <laughs> they gutted them. They gutted Frenchmen for fun, you know? So they ran from them. No, they were, uh, so he was a cartographer. Cartographer, is that how you say that? Cartographer, map maker. Yeah. And so that so he was an expert at that. So they sent him down here to map it, you know, and then he came back up to the Plains. Uh but he saw the Spain, he saw the Spanish ships in the Mississippi. And he's he told Father Marquette, he's like, uh, we're done. We're not going any further because these guys will hang us from the tallest tree if we keep going. <laughs> so they actually found some nice Native American tribes. It's a whole good book called uh, Traveler of Rivers. Go read it. If only he knew the city that he was named after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's gross. Anyway, the one thing I wanted uh with all that, uh, the dams and stuff, I was so I, I went back to thinking about um, the white bass run. All right, if there was a dam in that river, that would not exist. No, that not white at all. bass run would not be what it is. Mm-mm. You know, it, yeah, I mean that that's the purpose of this. You know, the purpose of the the dams is to make you know more navigable water, at least for a stretch, right? For yeah. a stretch, for but I mean, like, but for instance, if let's say that white bass run, there was a dam. You're, you're going to be fishing up to a dam, up to a point, and then you're going to have shallow water where you can't boat, and anybody could boat by the dam. But there would be no migration like that. No, not 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 in the numbers like that. You know, like, for instance, uh, that Fox River, they talk about muskie. And I'm thinking, well, there's only one way to go, and they didn't come from the Illinois. So they're literally coming downstream from up north and just yeah. falling over the dams and living there. But can you imagine if they had a, a running path? You might actually have a healthy population of uh, of different kinds of fish in there all over. But the mm-hmm. thing is, would the... Would the water not support their life throughout? You know what I mean? If there were no dams, like they they probably wouldn't even make it down this far because it's just too shallow. I think it's possible, but I don't know. I don't. I don't believe that would necessarily be the case either. Hmm. Um, like for instance, the DuPage they knocked that dam out, and you notice a little bit of a difference, but not much. You could tell where the dam was. Oh, you could still see the line. Like you could see well, the line where the like the water current changes. No, I'm talking about the DuPage. Yeah. Or no, I'm I'm thinking displays. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, even that, like, they couldn't completely get rid of that dam. No. You know, it still makes turbulent water right there. But even but in the DuPage, they did a pretty good job. They even said, we're going to put uh, natural rock, big rocks in there that still kind of riffle the water. But it made passage for boats, you know. The Fox River, we couldn't take the drift boat from, you can't take the drift boat from the Fox Channel Lakes to the Illinois River. Yeah. How are you going to portage over that, you know? The thing I find gross is you're, you're walking through there, and it's like, how many attempts did they have at this dam? Because we're... We're wading out of there, and you're standing on a big flat rock that's just not natural. And <laughs> yeah, you start walking down this other big flat rock, and you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And this thing just doesn't end. And you're like, yeah, you know, you you found the same rock. I'm I'm tiptoeing down. You know, if, if there was no water there, 
I'd look like the giant, the biggest Disney on the planet because I'm just sitting there inching down this thing, waiting for the end of it. Yeah, but it was loaded with moss. It was like walking on ice. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It was slick out there today. But those rocks, like if you look and it's like, where did these come from? I want to know how they landed there because those were all mined rock. Those were flat sheets of rock that they blasted out oh, of somewhere. Oh, I thought that was concrete. No, that was definitely rock. Kind of like, uh, what's like a situation where they use that? Well, kind of like a waterfall glen. Yeah, like a limestone type of deal. But you know how they're sheets and they yeah. bring them in? Those, But those were on, that was part of a dam somewhere. Flagstone. Yeah, those got those got washed out somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. Can you imagine being standing there though? You know, uh, well, even a few times when we fished that dam as kids, remember there'd be a tree stuck on there. Yeah. You watch that thing. That thing, When that goes over, you do not want to be in the way of that. Oh. You know? You'd be watching this big tree caught up, and you're like, well, one little wake from a boat up there, and this thing's going to be over. You better be looking at it when it does come. <laughs> anyway, waiting. We want to talk a little bit about waiting, too. Yeah. Um, how do you want to lead that? How do you guys want to start that? Where to start? Where to start? Good set of waiters. Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell your little story with a good set of waiters? So back in high school, I bought my first set of waiters. Um, they were the ones from Dick's Sporting Goods, and they were just the rubber ones, rubber boots and rubber everything. Um, heavy rubber yeah they they hold water just as much as they repel yeah. it out so, body condom yeah yeah the th- those i would not recommend th- those were god awful um heavy cold. very heavy cold yeah um then i got i think what was it maybe four or five years ago i bought one sim- very similar to the ones you borrowed today um they got a hole in them so they're real easy to tear uh but at least there were still the rubber boots, like the one size fits all rubber boot. Um, but the the top part was like nylon. Or yeah, I don't know what that is, but you're yeah. Like a, a, yeah, it you wasn't can't rubber. Call it neoprene, yeah, yeah, it wasn't all rubber. It was like that fabric. Um, I would definitely call that like a like a thicker nylon. Almost yeah, like a thick tent. Yeah, it's what. Yeah, it's basically what it is. It's yeah. a thick tent material. Um, so then I decided, you know, enough's enough. I got holes in this stuff. I'm just gonna go out and I'm gonna spend. So Jim has like a. Three hundred dollars at a waiter. Yeah, it's about yeah. Plus the boots. You know? So I wanted something similar to that, so I could have waiters and then actual boots. I feel ripped the, off after the ones he got. I feel ripped off. Not not like the. Oh, uh, those were your waiters that you're wearing today. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so frog togs. I actually bought them online. There, frog togs makes a decent set like that. They've got the neoprene uh, booties. Yeah. And then you can actually go get yourself like a actual set of wading boots it's definitely the way to go so it's, i think out the door pad for that whole set it was like 140 bucks i think the the waders were like 60 or 70 and same thing with the um with the boots they're 60 or 70 bucks i think good quality waders the, the main difference in all of these is just mobility wouldn't you agree oh it, I, the, to me it's it's comfort being able to stand or because like the one thing like a little trip like that i could do i could do in my shorts and water shoes but like the one wade we do in a creek over here you're out there all day, and you know. Waders are inherently not breathable because that's the that's the opposite of what right. You're they to do. they suck to your body. Yeah. Right. Um. But I would say just for comfort, like when when we took that hike, what was it maybe last year or the year before when we hiked from the one one street oh, yeah. to the other? Uh, I had a set like the ones that you borrowed today from them, and the the foot just wasn't quite the right size. It was just one size too small. So by the oh. end of it, my toes were killing me because it was just it kept crushing against them. Like feet were all crushed up in there. Well, we got this crazy body type where we, you know, I've got the legs of a five foot two person, the torso of a six foot eight person, and <laughs> the feet of a hobbit. So, um, those boots are pretty damn big on me. Yeah. Well, so like I bought those for New Lenox fly fishing, and yeah. it's like you buy those, you don't buy those large, extra large. You buy them by the shoe size, and then they guess the size of the person off the shoe size. 
there's little guys with 11, size 11, size 12, you know, they're not fat guys, you know? Yeah. And so they got to find a balance there. So you might have like a size 12, but it'd be like you size 12. And it's like, let's say he's got a size 12. You guys are going to fit in those waders in a different way. Yeah. You know? That's a problem with those one size fits all. I like buying large, extra large, you know. Yeah, that's that's my only gripe like against those is But I will say, those are the most comfortable boot in waders. Is that what you call them? Where they're like yeah, the foot waders? Good enough for one, me. Yeah. One piece waiter, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Where like the boots are part of the waders, those are the most comfortable ones I've yeah. ever worn. I've worn the rubber ones. I've worn the ones that are like actual like rubber boot all the way up. Yeah. yeah, that's that's like my first set, man. It was terrible. <laughs> and yeah. Well, my my first pair was uh back when Hodgman's were cool. They said Cabela's on it, but Hodgman made them. Remember Hodgman waiters, the neoprene? I yeah. actually I had a Bass Pro version of that. Yeah, like and those the redhead ones. You know what those blow the doors off of anything like what his or mine is warmth. Did yeah, you buy those in cold waters? I forget the millimeters you buy. I want to say 3 and 5 are the two, set, you know. But like if you're Sounds a duck right. hunter and you're going to be out there in November picking up ducks, you're probably going to get a set of Hodgman's and not the Orvis ones like I got right. or those frog tugs. But I'll tell you, for summer waiting where you just don't want to be wet all day, because half the reason why I wait this time of day, it's like, or this time of year, it's like, well, we're going to be out for five, six hours. I just don't want wet feet for five or six hours. Right. So I just do it to stay dry. You get cold too after a while. The other thing too, yeah. it's like all the crap in the water and your feet get all weird. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Step it's, on a crayfish. Well, that's the other thing I've too. Done it both ways. That creek we're talking about, when you're walking back there, you might pick up a tick. There's a good chance you, yeah. if you're going to go up on shore and sit down for a sec, you might pick up a tick or a snake or a. So it's, it is nice to have that barrier. Well, the one time know? we were fishing there, Pat, and uh, I'm like, something's kind of stinky and jim's cast in front of me so i'm like i'll just wait you know wait till he's uncast and we move along so as soon as i get back upstream there was a like animal carcass lodged in a tree and all this right. water that's just, it's just flowing right over me i'm like oh thank god i'm wearing waders this would be nasty yeah like, nice i waited i waited are you, were you talking about rock creek no this was uh the Our, creek over here oh uh i was waiting rock creek and you know back in high school in my shorts and then one day i'm like and then you see helgramites swimming around and you're like yeah I'm gonna myself. like yeah. that, not like a pair of waders is going to stop you from getting bitten by a gar or something like that you know what i mean yeah but uh yeah i almost had a snake in my waders it gives you a, a little more peace of mind i guess yeah i do like like we were talking about like waiting trips not not necessarily what we did today i like waiting like that too but man when it comes to like that walk we're talking about, we ride all day. Yeah, that's pretty satisfying. It's like you pack your backpack and you're going for a long walk, and you're going to earn this, you know. And you kind of get to do some like strenuous things that are fun. And it's good exercise, that's for sure. Walking upstream like that, it's real good exercise. I love waiting just because it's like getting in the water without all the bad benefits of getting in the water. Getting you wet, I mean? yeah. yeah. I can go wherever I want within bad reason. Benefits? Did I say bad benefits? It's with with all the bad. The downsides of getting in the water. Yeah. You know what I mean. You don't get wet. Like, a couple of things I, w- I wanted to go over, like things that I would recommend if you if you are going to wade, like things I should say, not even just recommend, but things I use. But the one thing I you you can't. It, it's great as a waterproof backpack. I got that waterproof backpack. If you're going to be out all day and you might get above the backpack line on your waist, it's nice to have a set. The other important thing, it's really important to get. If you ask me, is all the different tethers. I got everything tethered. I can't drop line cl- clippers in the water. You know. I even have one yeah. for the back of my phone. Didn't use it today, but so mine's all like uh, I don't have like the vests and everything <clears throat> like like you guys do. I've got the backpack, so everything. I don't is wear just... a vest. I do. I haven't wear a vest either. in fifteen years. No, he's talking about the chest. Rig. No, like a, like stuff in here. You got pockets and everything for it, and you don't. No, no. I got a I... backpack over a set of waders. That's no, it. you no. do have a chest rig. He's talking about the chest rig. 
You talking about the chest rig or a vest? What are you talking? What, what did I? What do you think I wore something today that had pockets in it? No, I always just see you with you. You've got. You know, maybe it is all attached to your backpack on the front, I guess. Oh, on the loops, I got like my line clippers and stuff. Maybe such. that's yeah. what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't wear a vest. That's a, that's a, that's a boomer thing. My stuff's know? all in my backpack. It's all within just a reach, reach around to get it. Me, I like the chest rig. Everything's yeah. right there. You know what I mean? And mine's not a true chest rig, but. You didn't find that to be a pain trying to fly fish? No. I did. I wore that one. Way. I think I would take a, uh, a fanny pack over that. Just no, because I, just the way I hold the rod as I'm stripping line. You know, like that, I just was like always trying to like get around it. If you were changing tackle all day long, that would be the way to go. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But, you know, if you think you're going to actually be out there and maybe retie once, then maybe that's not the way to go. But like I put my keys, my wallet, all sorts of stuff in there, you know. Yeah. They would get wet if you went in. You'd have a little bit of buffer time in there before you're really screwed. But it keeps everything up and dry if you don't fall. Yeah. Another thing. uh I think everybody should have just for safety is uh, one of those waterproof bags for your phone and your keys and anything electronic that just can't get wet. Mine are, my, my waders actually came with one in the front pouch here. It flips up. It's a waterproof. Oh, yeah. Like, thing. E- even those waders that I was wearing, they got a pocket in the front. Yeah. You know, that one's nice not waterproof, have. though. I don't think. Oh, really? Mine, my, my Orvis ones are waterproof in the front, but I actually have those little pouches. That you slip your phone in and you could you could dunk them in water, you know, and they're cheap. I mean, they're, they don't cost anything. If I'm going on like a really long trip where I think it's going to get wet, even if we're talking hunting or whatever, I literally just take a freezer bag and put my phone in it, you know. The one thing I never use that everyone recommends, if you read online articles about waiting, they'll tell you a waiting staff. I never got it. I never did that. Never uh, tried never, it. Like a yeah. hiking stick? Maybe it would be awesome. Yeah. Like almost like a trekking pole, but one. I can't imagine it hurting you. In my mind, it's just one more thing to carry. Yeah. I was about got, to say, when do you fish? Yeah. Now, I could see if you were not fishing and you didn't have a pole in your hand, a pole is a useful tool to just see how deep it is five feet in front of you. Yeah. Well, a lot of fly fishermen use waiting staffs. That's what they, that's, you know, flying fishing world has, you know. Yeah, they also have strike indicators instead of yeah, bobbers, you know. Instead of bobbers. <laughs> it's literally the same thing. One thing I think is worth mentioning is just uh, knowing knowing a little bit about the area you're fishing and going with, with a buddy, um, especially if you've never been there before. Because I remember a few sketchy times at Rock Creek, where you get into one of those deep pools and you get into kind of a predicament, like you might need a hand to get out. You know, this could be dangerous. I could see for like hooking and stuff. Yeah, I we had a situation when I was wading Rock Creek with a couple of buddies from high school. Yeah, and I grabbed one's hand right as he was slipping off, and his feet came up on plane. Really? Yeah. And then I was dating this one girl, and I um, dragged her out there. She didn't want to go, and she slipped, and I grabbed her arm, and her feet went on yeah. plane. Yeah. So but it's I mean. Like, it, yeah, if you're walking downstream and you suddenly walk into like a deep pool that's chest deep, you know, and it's only getting deeper, it's going to be real hard to get back upstream, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got the, all that volume against you, yeah. you know, versus same speed but ankle deep. You could trek that. I remember getting yeah. caught in one of those pools, and I was luckily I was by a tree, and I was able to haul remember, myself out. Yeah, we ran into a few issues. I know what you're talking about. We ran into some issues in Rock Creek. Yeah, but it's always good to have a, you know, if you're not familiar with the area. But like, like even today, fishing, like I didn't really, you kind of look back and make sure, all right, they're still there. Obviously, we kind of went our separate ways because we're in six inches of water early. Nothing's yeah. going to happen, but. Yeah, you fall down, you're going to scrape a knee before you float away, Yeah, you know. Um, i trying to think of some other little waiting things that I, I do. I've been waiting for so long, I kind of forget. It just comes, I just grab things that I just know work, you know? So something that I used to do, it's not real ideal, but if you've got an old pair of work boots that you think you're going to throw out, save them for waiting boots. That's what I did. 
Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, I used mine when the first time I went. Yeah, with you. Uh, the so first if you trip. don't, yeah, if you don't feel like having a super dedicated pair of wading boots, you don't feel like spending the money right away. Just grab an old pair of work boots or whatever, and yep. uh, toss them on. I've done it with gym shoes. I've done it with everything. Yeah. When it comes to spring and fall fishing. Man, there's nothing like a set of waders, a yeah. good set of waders. I'm talking like I, the ones I have for like customers, they're like $35 a pair of waders. And it's like, I just assume that every fisherman has a pair of waders. I just, just something I do. It's I a just, tool, just like a boat, you know? Yeah. And I, I would even argue that waders give you more access to different types of fishing than a boat would. I just think about launching that, that drift boat. You got to get out there with it to launch it. And like in the springtime, I always launch it with a set of waders on at least tall boots, you know? Like, for instance, I could probably finally take out my muck boots out of my truck, but I usually keep those muck boots in my truck till about June. They'll go back in or about September, but yeah. I always have a pair of muck boots just because you run into those situations where you're happy to have it. I got know? a pair of them, but they're neoprene on the outside, which I... That's common now. Yeah. It's real common. It's like they, they just That would hold dirt just as well as it keeps dirt off of you, you know? As long as they're waterproof. That's what... Yeah, they're waterproof. So anyway, that's all I really had to say about waiting and all that. The one thing, yeah. did you have any ideas about your first video you want to shoot? Something they can look forward to. About um, a, go check out the Drift Boat, Motors with Drift Boats. That's the newest one. So yeah, I mean, if you guys can give us some input, I was thinking about just just to, this wasn't like a grand uh, video idea that I had, but I was thinking about just getting used to making videos. I was either going to do uh, what I did for the electrical on my boat. I feel like that's a big gray area that people don't really pick up enough experience in because like... How often did you do electrical stuff outside? Tilt that of microphone work? up a little bit. I'm sorry, you keep talking away from it. How how often did you do um, electrical stuff outside of work? How often outside of work? Yeah, I pretty much just on a boat like that or somebody's yeah. trailer or something. So it's just like people want to know well, like what types of connectors to use. So either I was going to do a boat review of our you know of our boat, or you got to use that thing once or twice before you do a review. I've used it. I've had it in the water. I think four times now. So. Four times. Yeah, it's just the beginning of the year. Ah. Uh, but yeah, I would wait. I'd get a little more experience with that. Uh, the one thing you should do a review on is that trolling motor. If you don't think it's worth it, you know, yeah. definitely, definitely put that out there. You're smoking a bunch of meat today. Why don't you do a video on that? Do you oh, like? Yeah, a, I'm just gonna set up a camera. Here's my smoker. Yeah, yeah. Are you, We're gonna start off every smoking video like we always do with a beer. Like you know, <laughs> those are the most entertaining videos of all. You know, like, <laughs> you make it a three minute video. That's very here it is, and here's how we start. Here's in the middle, and here's at the end. Yeah, you know. I'm also, I ordered another mic because my one didn't work, so I'm kind of waiting on one of them, too. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about a review? I was thinking something with a bow would be cool, but we should, so we, we got to do some fishing stuff. We got to do some fishing yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I was either going to do the electrical thing with the boat or just like show people how I set the boat up. Well, maybe in the next week or two, why don't we do that hike, the the creek hike? Oh, I'm totally down. Yeah. I'm totally down. The only thing we could do is a drift. I've been wanting to drift with that drift boat. We got a few hour drift we can go out on yeah. catch smallies, you know. And carp. if you guys want to do like a waiting thing, I can just be out there filming. Could, we could do that. I couldn't like film and fish because it's not a GoPro. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's I'm, true. I'm not a big fan of like the GoPro stuff because the quality's just bad. Yeah, it's all wide angle stuff. Yeah. So more ideas to come is what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Let's well, do some brainstorming. Yeah. So I was thinking more along the boat route just to like get used to making videos and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we made it. So pretty much the week was spent like uh, most of it was spent in a dam. And I was doing a lot of thing about rivers and stuff around here. So that's kind of where this episode came from. Yeah. I'm not super into like shooting videos because you literally just watch a dude shoot a rifle, which is just not. I, but there's there's ways of making it optically fun. So yeah, there's one of those ones where you're big. Oh, 
<gasps> oh, you got a you guy know? that peeks into a scope and then just pulls a trigger and he's like, "Yep, that was a pretty good shot." <laughs> and just really, it again. really, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, you hear the metal tinging. They got like one of the steel targets, and it's like, "Ding!" Okay, well, I know he hit a one foot circle. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll wrap this up then. Um, happy Memorial Day, everyone! Yeah, Happy Memorial Day, everybody! And uh, anything from you, Pat? Any last thoughts? Um, happy Memorial Day um give me some video ideas i i didn't buy this to like be like a video master you know what i mean it's not like a new hobby i'm getting into It'd just be nice to have good quality videos of the stuff that you do right you know what i mean yeah well i think we gotta we gotta tap more into the video market we definitely do yeah that's how i started this like media thing it's like well i'll do a youtube channel it's kind of fun and then i realized well fishing and cameron is a pain in the ass so i just slowly tapered off of that but I really like the work, so yeah. I really like making videos. The one thing that I really think that the video thing solves is that you've got your podcast people and you've got your YouTube video. I'm not saying that a, YouTube, a person who watches YouTube never listens to podcasts, but they're definitely into more like one more than the other, right? So your podcaster doesn't always go to YouTube kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They YouTube. do, but not it's not their primary source of... And the YouTube videos can be short and sweet, you know? Like the podcast is usually about an hour or whatever, and you know YouTube videos... Three, I four keep, minutes. I keep hearing that we our podcast is too short. Too short? I, it's like I, an hour. Well, I guess everybody that makes podcasts now is between two and three hours, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. I just, I'm not do you rambling. want quality stuff, or do you want, you know what I mean? I'd rather pack a quality hour. I than, mean, we can sit here and bullshit for two and three hours, you know? It's, yeah. If you listen to those three-hour podcasts, they kind of run over the same thing four or five times. Yeah, they kind of yeah. I'm not. I'm just not into it. The other thing too is that like my attention span changes. Okay, I listen to these two people talk for an hour. I pretty much got the gist of this conversation. Move on, change yeah. topics. Don't get me wrong. If we had a presidential candidate here and we had, you know, then you could do a three hour interview. You know what I mean? But yeah. Only if they're fishermen. <laughs> well, yeah. you, you know what I mean. But like, like it, you have to match the level of talent with you know the amount of information you want to get. You know what I mean? Like, right. so a three hour podcast would work in that sort of sense, but. For us just doing a weekly thing, I don't think it's that bad to do an hour. I'm, I'm too boring for that. <laughs> I just look and it's like, for me, there's like, oh, I'm going up to this spot in the northern suburbs and I get, if I see a podcast that's 58 minutes, I'm like, I can listen to that. I can get the whole gist of that whole thing and mm-hmm. be done with it. But then I look at like a Rogan one, it's uh, three hours and 35 minutes. I'm like, God, that's going to take me all week to listen to that. Mm-hmm. So I just skip it. Or like know? our favorite podcast group, you're like, well, that's two hours. Okay, so do I want to get halfway through it on my way to work? You know what I mean? Right. So I, I don't know. And then you end up listening to it later in chunks. And that's just it's not where were we again? You know? You yeah. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Uh, the Midwest Frontier at gmail.com and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. More YouTube videos to come. More YouTube videos to come. Shoot Go us give some me a video like. ideas. Go give me a like on that uh, How Motors Are in Drift Boats video on yeah. the Midwest Frontier. Love so, it. All, all right. right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.